Welcome to Canvas Church. You are listening to our weekly celebration service message. Thank you for tuning in. Goodness. Whew. Yeah. We forgot to pass the tissues this morning. My goodness. All of us ladies are like, why did I put mascara on this morning? I knew I should have put the waterproof on this morning. Whew, I love you, church. I love you. Canvas Church, you are amazing. Um, if you are here for the very first time, thanks for coming. Thanks for joining us. It is truly not your regular Sunday. Um, It'd be cool if we gave cars away every Sunday, right? Um, that'd be awesome. Um, but so glad that you're here. Um, my name is Katie Brinkman. I'm one of the pastors here at Canvas Church. And I'm really honored this morning to share a word that God has placed on my heart for us today. Um, so if you would, would you turn in your Bibles to John chapter 8? Oh, just going to try to get the emotions to, whoo, hallelujah. Um, John chapter 8, and we're going to take a look at this word um, uh, that Pastor Ben mentioned earlier, grace. Um, but Jerry Bridges is an author, and he said this. He said, our worst days are never so bad that you are beyond the reach of God's grace. And your best days are never so good that you are beyond the need for God's grace. Everybody say amen. That's a true statement. Amen. Um, before we dive into reading this passage of scripture, I want to give us a little bit of background. And the background is um, that, that Jesus is here in Jerusalem and there is the festival of tabernacles, the feast of tabernacles taking place. And so people are gathered from all over. They come from all over and gather into the city for this festival. Um, so there's large amounts of people, large crowds that are gathered together. And typically when this would happen, you would often see teachers of religious law would gather around and they would be teaching people in crowds. And so it was common to see that. Um, but during this time as Jesus is in Jerusalem and he's teaching and he's got crowds gathering around him and he's ministering, um, those that were religious authorities of the day and Pharisees wanted to silence Jesus. They wanted to arrest him. They wanted to find reason to arrest him, to trip him up. Um, so they, they were trying to catch, they, they'd come and ask him questions, trying to catch him, um, saying the wrong thing, doing the wrong thing. Um, but in, in spite of the resistance taking place, he continued to go back to the temple to teach and to, to minister the, the word of God. Um, some of us as Christ followers, I think we give up too soon in the face of, of, of adversity. And maybe it's at our workplace and we're just trying to be a good witness, share the love of Jesus with people. And we've got people around us that are resisting it, you know, um, and, and, and just not wanting it, whatever. And we just walk away, we're like, whatever. Um, and, and we bail when the first sign of adversity. But Jesus, how many of you are thankful in the Bible that we see that Jesus didn't bail when things got... Um, when things got challenging. And so we see that he, um, he is uh, going in verse 8. It says in verse 1 that Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives. He went away for a bit. But early the next morning, he was back again at the temple. Um, thank God. Early the next morning, he came back again. And it says a, a crowd soon gathered, which happened often. Everywhere Jesus went, crowds would gather. And he sat down and taught them. 
And he was speaking, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. They put her in front of the crowd. In verse 4, teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her, what do you say? They were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. They kept demanding an answer, so he stood up again and said, all right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, maybe because they were the wisest. <laughs> Gotta get out of here now. <laughs> or maybe they had the most sin. I don't know, just saying. Um, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. And as we continue on, now a lot of us, our Bibles have like these page breaks and they give us a title for like the next section. God didn't actually put those in there. Man put those in there. Um, okay, so let's just clarify that. So if you're reading your Bible and you see this heading, like, Jesus is the light, you know, or, or whatever. It, it's just, I encourage you when you're reading the Bible and when you're studying, continue reading as if there's no breaks, as if, as if there's no chapters, okay? Um, but this thought, he continues on. So he says here, Jesus said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. In verse 12, Jesus spoke to the people once more, the crowd that he had once been sitting down and teaching, and he got rudely interrupted by the accusers. He goes back to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. And Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For you are saved by grace through faith. And this not of yourselves. It is God's gift, not from works, so that no one can boast. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your word. And we thank you today for your grace. God, I pray that you would help me this morning um, to share the word that you placed on my heart for us today. Um, God, we, we recognize that, that we're here this morning and God, I believe it's not by mistake that we're in the room. Um, it's not by mistake that we chose to hop online. Um, God, you, you want to minister and speak to each one of us this morning. And so, God, we pray that you would do just that. Have your way this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, I, those of you that, that don't know me, um, I'll give you a little bit of my background, a little bit of my testimony. Those of you that, that know and you've heard it before, just buckle up and stick with me again. Um, I didn't grow up in the church, so I didn't come to know Jesus as my Lord and Savior until I was 20 years old, so that was about, this is 28 years ago now. Woo! All right. Uh, do the math, people, if you're wondering. All right, whatever. Um, 
At the age of 20, I came to know Christ as my Lord and Savior. Prior to that, I had, I had done a lot of things. I'd made a lot of decisions. Um, I had I'd gone through a lot. I had um, I'd been through some things that happened to me um, that I didn't ask for. Um, I, I also made choices and decisions of my own will um, that were wrong. Um, I had sinned, and I had I'd been caught up in all kinds of stuff, um, addiction, um, uh, impure relationships, um, a, lot, a lot of different stuff. And it brought me to a really, really dark place. And um, at that darkest moment of my life, I didn't know where to turn other than to my mom. How many of you have a mom here that you're grateful for those moments when you didn't know where to turn as so you turned to mom? My mom was my rock, um, the one that was always there for me no matter what, no matter how stupid I was. Anybody, anybody been stupid before? Yeah. Um, and she was there and helped me get out of the situation I was in, helped me get away from some of the people that I was um, around and helped me just kind of get, get things together, got a job, got a place living on my own. And I just started doing the work thing because that's what you do when you're just trying to survive. I'm trying to survive. I'm trying to, you know, not surround myself with people because people hurt. Um, and had been burned a lot, and there was a, a lot of things that, that I'd walked through, and so I was just kind of living in survival mode, if you know what I'm talking about, and just kind of living that way. But then all of a sudden, I, I realized that I'm going to work, and I'm noticing something about these people that I'm working with. Um, they've got joy. They've got hope. They, they, there's something different about them. And then um, shortly after that, a roommate comes and needs a place to stay and old friend from high school living with me and she's a Christian I'm coming home and you know she's there's something something different about her um, and then shortly after that I meet Ben who was not my husband at the time but be you know obviously now um, but I, I met him and his friends and I'm hanging out and I'm getting to know all these people and how many of you have um, been in a really dark place and people that are really happy and seem like they have a lot of joy and hope annoy you? Has anybody felt that way before? Thank you for making me feel like I'm not the only one. Um, I, that's kind of what was starting to happen. I'm being around all these people, whether it was at work, at home, or with friends. I'm surrounded by Christians that have something different. They've got something that I don't have, and it's very obvious and very clear to me. Um, and then a Saturday rolled around, and my husband, who was not my husband at the time, called and this was back in the day when the phones were attached to the wall. I know some of you only saw it in the museum, but I lived with it, okay? And so I answer the phone, and I pull the cord as far as it'll reach without, you know, popping off, you know what I'm talking about? And so I pull it as far, and I look at my roommate, and I say, hey, Ben's on the phone, and he just asked, he said that they're going to church tomorrow, and they asked if we want to go. And my roommate at the time um, was like, Katie, go to church? And she kind of laughed. And in that moment, what I heard, actually wasn't what she said at all, but what I heard was, you don't belong at church. You're not the type of person that goes to church. You, you wouldn't be welcome at church. Do you, you, and I immediately, shame just gripped me. And I immediately hung up the phone. I said, no, thank you. I said, thank you. I hung up the phone, and I went to my room, and I cried. The reason why I cried is because, for me, this was the only thing that all of these people had in common. It was church. 
because they were all different people living in different lives, and, but there was one thing that they had in common. They had, well, they, they had church in common, but they all had this joy and this hope, and they were, even though they were all going through different things in life, there was something very different, and so I knew that church was the answer. Church was a place where I was going to figure out what it was that they had that I didn't have and why they had it. Um, and so when I said no, it broke me. And I was, I was just, and, and when I said no, and, and, and all the thoughts of you don't belong there, and you're not good enough, and you should never go there, all those thoughts just start filling my mind. I was just, I thought it was my one and only chance to find out the truth and to find hope and find life. And so I was just devastated. But then the next Saturday rolled around. And this guy's persistent. If you don't know anything about him, like, he's persistent. Um, thank you, Jesus. Um, he's, he's persistent. So he called up. He's like, hey, I know you said no last week, but we're going to church again tomorrow. And, um, and, and for him, it was probably just like, hopefully she'll say yes. You know, for me, it was like, it was, it was exact. that phone call pierced through the shame. And, begin, and I suddenly started to see a little bit of glimmer of hope. And in that moment, I was like, yes, I'm going to church. And then it was like all hell broke loose, okay? Um, I, I, I mean, you, I, you can say hell at church because it's in the, you know, it's in the Bible. Um, and, and so it's like all of that happened, and it broke loose. And all of a sudden, I just got so gripped with fear, um, with shame, with insecurity, I was so like, oh my gosh, I just said, yes, I'm going to church. These people are going to see, they're, I, I mean, <laughs> there's no hiding the mess. Like, I was a walking mess. And, and, and so I'm like, I, I'm tearing my closet apart, trying to pick out the perfect outfit that will hopefully hide the fact that I am a mess, that I am a sinner, that I am broken, that I'm living in darkness, that I just got, I've got none of it put together. I'm trying, figuring out the next morning, doing the hair, doing the makeup. I'm driving to church that morning, and I'm physically shaking. It took every ounce of courage in me to get out of the car and walk through the door of church that morning. And I just want to say that if that's you this morning, and if it took every ounce of courage for you to get out the door and walk through the doors of the church this morning, thank you. I get it. I get it. Thank you. You're at the right place. You are. You're at the right place. And you're with, you're with the right people. You're with people that we get it. We get it. Maybe, maybe you're here this morning and you didn't have enough courage to get in the room, but you had enough courage to click that button online. And you're, you're here. Thank you. The answers are here. They really are. Because Jesus is here. Amen? And, and, and that's what I found that morning. When I walked up to the door of the church and I walked through the outer door and came up to the, the door to the sanctuary and the greeter was standing at the door. It was the, the pastor's wife, Pastor Jenny, and she was standing at the door, and I am literally shaking. I am just like, I'm sweating. Ugh. I, you guys, I, you think I'm exaggerating. I am not exaggerating. 
And does anybody else know what that feels like? Has anybody else felt that way? Please raise your hand. Thank you. Thank you. I love you. Thank you. And she reached out her hand, looked me in the eye, said, good morning. So glad you're here today. I almost lost it. I was like, oh, she has no idea. I was like, it worked. (laughs) I wore the right dress today, you know. I'm like, I pulled the wool over on her, you know. No, I was just like, wow. And 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 it that the crack and the and the 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 walls and the the shame, it began to crack open. And I stepped in and 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 I just felt the love of God. I felt the presence of God. And and I began to hear the word and it pierced me. It was about a week and a half, two weeks later, I gave my life to Jesus, hanging out with a group of friends. My husband asked me, have you ever accepted Jesus in your life? And I prayed with him right there. And the joy of the Lord filled me like I've never experienced it before in my life, ever. In that moment, I discovered, yeah, church was the answer. Church was the place that I found Jesus. And can I tell you this morning, church, it's not about the four walls. Because we see scripturally that it's not the building, it's the people. We are the church. I encountered the church at my workplace. I encountered the church in my home. I encountered the church with my friends. And can I tell you that somebody is waiting for you. You are the answer. You have the answer. You have the answer to some of the questions you have the answer. You, you, you are that place that people can go to when they've been searching far and wide and left empty and, and, and without hope. You have it. We have it. The church is the place. And I've, I found Christ. I encountered grace. I encountered grace. Grace is defined as the free, undeserved goodness and favor of God. We read, it, we read it earlier, we're saved by grace, that undeserved, unmerited, undeserved goodness, favor of God. We didn't do anything to deserve it. We couldn't work hard enough to get it. It's that grace. And I can only imagine what this woman was feeling in that moment. I know what I felt. I know what I felt like when I was walking in to a place where I thought for sure everybody was going to see my stuff. I can only imagine they saw it. It was on full display. She was caught in the very act and drug out and brought in front of the crowd. There was no question. There was no like, he said, she said, she did this, she did it. No, it's it's clear. I can only imagine the panic, the fear, the humiliation that she was experiencing. But in that moment, she encountered grace embodied in the person of Jesus Christ. And when you and I, and when she encountered grace, number one, rather than being exposed and condemned, we are covered and redeemed. I thought for sure when I walked through that door of that church that all of my stuff was going to get exposed. I'm going to see right through the the mask, the image I tried to portray. 
she was fully exposed. They drug her out there, fully exposed. And they said, Jesus, what's going to be done? This is what the law says. They condemned her. They exposed her and condemned her. But Jesus, he just goes, and in that moment, what, everybody's trying to figure out what was Jesus writing in the sand? What was he writing in the dust? Um, I've heard everything. I've heard he was writing the Ten Commandments. I've heard thoughts that he was writing a verse. I've heard thoughts that he was writing the sins of the people. I've heard all the different thoughts out there. Um, the Bible doesn't tell us. So I'm assuming if we were supposed to know that it would tell us, right? Um, so that's not the point. The point of the passage is all eyes were on her, and now they're on him. Jesus stepped in, and he began to write in the sand. And rather than exposing her, he's saying, hey, come on over here. Check this out. He's covering her. The Bible actually says in... Um, in uh, 1 Peter 4, 8, it says, Most important, all continue to show deep love for each other, for love covers a multitude of sins. That's talking about the love of God. It, it's the love of God. That word agape is the love of God. It is, it is that selfless, sacrificial, unconditional love. The love of Jesus in that moment says, Hey, check this out, guys. Leave her alone. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cover that. I'm going to cover her. The word condemn, if we look at the definition of condemn, it means to declare guilty of, to make manifest the faults or unworthiness of, to convict of guilt. It means to pronounce a judicial sentence against, to sentence to punishment, suffering, loss, or doom. But there's another word, and it's redeem. And it says to release, it means to release from blame or debt, to clear to free from consequence of sin. That is exactly what Jesus did. And Galatians 3.13 says, But Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. When he was hung on the cross, he took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing. For it is written in the scriptures, Cursed is everyone who hung on a tree. When we encounter the grace of God in the person of Jesus, we're not exposed. His blood covers our sins. We, we encounter the grace of God in Jesus Christ. We're redeemed. Our life is now hidden in Christ, it says in Colossians 3.3. 3. He, he says, hey, come over here, guys. Check this out. And number two, rather than being defined by our past, we are given a new identity in Christ. See, for this woman, like, she's guilty. And she was. She was caught in the very act. There's no question about that. But there was a moment, and we see it at the end, where all the people there are calling him, hey, teacher, hey, teacher. But what is she saying? She says, Lord. And in that moment of confessing Jesus as Lord, She's, she's made into a new creation. That's what happens to us. When we encounter grace and we receive the goodness and the grace of God and respond to Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we're given a new identity. She had confessed him as Lord, and 
Psalm 103.12 says, As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgression from us. When we come to Jesus, God doesn't see our past and our sins and our failures and our mistakes anymore. He doesn't see us like that. He sees us from that moment forward. He sees the future and the plan that he has for you and I, Jeremiah 29.11. It's for good, to give you hope, to give you a future. It's amazing. He doesn't see that. You're not defined by the things that you've done. But I mentioned this word guilt. She was guilty. But there's also another word called shame. When, we're, when we encounter truth, when we're faced with the truth, have you, ever, have you ever said to somebody, don't make me feel guilty? You, I can't actually make you feel guilty. You're either guilty or you're not. I can make you feel ashamed. I can shame you. When we encounter the truth and we're faced with the truth, um, the Holy Spirit actually uses that guilt that we feel. He uses it. It's like a tool that the Holy Spirit will use to say, yep, yep, yeah, feel that for a second. That's why you need Jesus. And the Holy Spirit, it brings, it brings hope. It brings, it brings a potential for restoration, for healing. But there's another word called shame, and that's what the accuser uses. And the Bible actually talks about the devil as the accuser. It gives him the, the name accuser. Revelation 12, 9 and 10 says, um, that tells us that, that, that that's one of the names for the devil. He is the accuser. And she was surrounded, this woman is surrounded by her accusers. We're saying who she was. She, she is condemned. That's who she is. She, she's a condemned. She is bad. She is wrong. And, and where guilt can be beneficial and lead us to change, shame can ap- actually trap us in our past and make us think that the things we've done are now who we are. Guilt tells you that the thing that you did was wrong. Shame tells you because you did that thing, you're a bad person. And some of the symptoms of shame, if, if you're evaluating your life and some of the emotions and feelings and things that, that are going on in your life, some of the symptoms of shame, one of them is withdrawal. When we're struggling with shame, we tend to withdraw from people. We tend to isolate ourselves. We want to even maybe curl up in a ball and disappear because we feel so ashamed. Shame makes us feel like we're not good enough. And all we want to do is hide. The other symptom of shame can be anger. Because we feel, feel emotional pain, we become angry, and we want to aim that away from ourselves, and so we direct it towards others. Guilt says that what you've done was wrong. Shame says what you've done is who you are. But Jesus. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Romans 10, 11 to 13 says, Scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call upon him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. I remember a moment in my life when, um, when I was... Uh, it was like six months after I accepted Jesus in my life. I was on the mission field. 
in the Philippines. It's like, oh, okay. It was like, okay, this is what you do. You receive Jesus, you read the Bible, it's true, I'm going to live that way, and now I'm going to go tell everybody about it. Found myself in the Philippines, <laughs> and we were ministering to a church, and um, all of a sudden, a pastor brings a girl up in front of me and says, you're supposed to pray for her. And I'm like, oh, I, I'm supposed to pray for her? I just thought I was going to come and help feed and, you know, <laughs> do all those things. And they're like, no, you, God said you're supposed to pray for her. I can't speak to Gollin. I, I, I don't speak their language, but yet here, and so in that moment, man, my, the accuser started working overtime. Like, who do you think you are? Who do you think you are to pray for? You just, you're six months out. You're still struggling to believe that Jesus loves you, much less that you can pray for him. The accuser is just, bam, bombarding me. This is who you are. Look, remember what you did? You're an addict. Remember what you did? You're, and just bombarding me with those thoughts. And in the moments when we're bombarded with the thoughts from the accuser. Here's the reality of all the things that I, that I was being barred with. All those thoughts, they were true. They were true. And, but what he, his desire was, was to, to tempt me into believing that because those things were true about what I did and the person I was in the past, that that then meant that that's who I am today still. You can't get away from it. And to trap me into believing that that was who I was. But Ephesians 2.10 says that we are God's masterpiece. When we come to Jesus, he creates us anew. We're created anew in Christ Jesus. I might have been worthless. I might have been a sinner. I, might, I, I, I was ungodly. But God, and I was, I, I felt worthless. I, but God said, you're now a masterpiece. You're a masterpiece. You are worthy. You are, you, you're, you were ungodly, but now you're godly. Our identity changes when we encounter grace and we receive Jesus. We are, we go from sinner to saint. We go from condemned to redeemed. We go from cursed to blessed. We go from worthless to worth it. Jesus says you are worth it. But shame would try to get us to believe that we are what we did. When we encounter grace, finally, worship team, come on up. Rather than being bound, we are free. When we encounter the grace of God and we surrender our lives to Jesus, we are no longer bound, we are free. It says this in, in this passage. Jesus stands up and he turns to her and he says, woman, where are your accusers? Has any of them condemned you? She says, no. No, Lord. And Jesus says, neither do I. And then he makes the statement, go and sin no more. Go. Go and sin no more. And in verse 12, I am the light of the world. If you, if you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness. Every day, ladies and gentlemen, we have a choice. 
we, there are some of us in this room, we are Christ followers, we've surrendered to Jesus, we've received his forgiveness, we are redeemed, we are loved, uh, we, are, we are believers, but every single day we have a choice. We don't have to sin. We don't, we don't have to do the things that we did before. We don't have to walk in darkness. We can. You can choose to if you want. Do you really want to live that way again? Do you really want to feel that way again? You can. God loves us. He gives us a choice daily. You can. But he says, go and sin no more. Romans, Romans 6 actually says this. For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Since we have been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. We know that our old sinful selves that the accuser tries to remind us of often. That's not in there. That's just me adding that part. Okay. We're crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. And since we died with Christ, we know we will also live with him. 2 Corinthians 15, 17 says, therefore anyone is in Christ. If anyone is in Christ, the key is, are we in Christ? If you're in Christ, we are a new creation. Old things have passed away and look, new things have come. You won't have to walk in darkness. Go and sin no more. I felt this in the, in the first service and, and I believe it might be for some of us here in this service as well. I felt God say this. He said, um, there's some grave diggers in the room. And I was like, grave diggers? That's weird, Holy Spirit. Like, why would you say grave diggers? Like, what's that all about? And then I, and he's like, oh, there's some grave diggers in the room. Because here's the reality. When we come to Jesus and we choose to follow after him and we know we're forgiven of our sins and we're, we're Christians, the devil is who the devil is. He's the accuser. And he doesn't all of a sudden stop accusing you, right? He continues. And here's the reality is temptation will come along because temptation happens. And can I tell somebody in the room, temptation is not sin. It's when we give in to the temptation and we begin to do that thing, then, we, then we've entered into sin. But the devil would try to get some of us in the room that when the temptation comes, he says, see, see. You're just the same old, you're the same old person. See, see, you you still want that. You still want this and you you still do that. And you do, and it's like, no, I, I actually didn't do any of it. The, just the temptation come, the thought came, the accuser came. And, but when, when that happens, some in the room, what you do rather than saying, okay, you know what devil, you're right. That's who I was. 
rather than identifying, okay, I hear what he's saying, I see what he's doing here, but that person, let me take you to the grave because she's right over here and that's not me, that's her. But what, instead of doing that, some of us get our shovel and we're like, oh yeah, yeah, and we start digging her up. There's old, oh yeah, there's old Katie, here she is, yeah, that's who I am. I'm just, I'm messed up, I'm broken, I'm, 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 I'm not worth it. I did this, I did that, I was rejected, I was caught up in addiction, I have no right to stand with a microphone on a stage because I did this, I did that. I dug up the old Katie. I said, oh yeah, yeah, shame led, led me to believe, oh yeah, that's who I, that, that's who I am. And Jesus says, stop digging up what I buried. Some of you need to stop digging up what's already been buried. That is not you any longer. The devil would come and accuse and say, this is who you are. No, 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 that's who you were. You are now a new creation in Christ Jesus. You don't have to go back and sin anymore. You don't have to do any of that anymore. That stuff doesn't have power over you anymore. You have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of you and you can say no to that temptation and you can walk away victorious in Jesus. But you gotta stop digging up what's been buried. Stand to your feet this morning. I know that was really intense, but I just feel like that the God is like, stop it. I took it for you. Jesus hung on the cross and the Bible tells us that he took the sins of all humanity. Every person that has ever lived and ever will live. He took the sins of every single one upon himself on the cross. He died the most excruciating death that will ever be take place. He did it so that you and I could walk in freedom from that sin. He took it for you. Don't pick it up. Don't go, don't, don't go digging it back up again. That's not you. That's not you. You are redeemed. You, you are a saint in Christ Jesus. You are a masterpiece. You are not broken. You are whole. He calls you whole. And it's time, ladies and gentlemen, that we say, okay, devil, you're right. That, that, that's true but let me take you to where she's at because she's over here. So you go deal with over here. I'm going to go about the business that my father has given me, and I'm supposed to go and tell others about the goodness and the grace of God that saved me, that once I was in darkness, but now I'm walking in the light. And this darkness that you're trying to bring to me, it can't compete with the light of Jesus that is shining within me. I'm not going to walk in that anymore. And if you're here this morning and you're like, you know what, I needed to hear that. I needed to hear that this morning. I gotta stop digging it up. I gotta stop digging up my past. I gotta stop digging up that, that old person that's died with Christ. And that's you. Can you shoot your hand up in the air this morning? I wanna know who I'm praying for this morning. Yeah, yeah, it's time. It's time. I'm telling you, by raising your hand this morning and saying, it is done. It is done. Jesus said, it is finished. I, I believe that the power of the Holy Spirit is gonna come upon you today like never before. And you're gonna walk with a greater greater boldness, 
You're going to walk in victory. The things that have tripped you up over and over and over again, there is freedom this morning right now in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you. God, we thank you for the work of Jesus on the cross. We thank you for the grace of God that is not too far to reach each and every one of us in this room. God, we thank you that today we declare, God, it's done. God, forgive us for digging up what you've buried. God, forgive us for taking back those things that we did that you took upon yourself on the cross. Forgive us. God, help us this morning to walk in victory, to walk in the freedom. God, help us this morning to walk out that freedom that we have in Christ Jesus. And God, I pray that you'd help us to be the church today. That when people come in broken, when people come in feeling condemned, when people come in riddled with shame, that we would be the church, we would be the place where they would find the answers, that they would find Jesus, and they would discover that they are loved, and they are accepted, and they are forgiven, and they don't have to walk in that anymore. God, help us to be your church. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen, amen. The, the band's going to go into to a song right now, and we're going to dismiss this morning. But if you're here and you need Jesus in your life, and you need to accept him as your Lord and Savior, and you need, you need that shame to be broken off your life, you got to come to the altar. I'm going to be here. Some of our pastors are going to be here. Some of our small group leaders are going to come up here. We're here, and we're going to pray for you today to accept Jesus, surrender fully to him. If you need prayer for anything else, if you're like, you know what, I'm just shaking off the old self, and I'm going to walk into the new, and you just want to come up to the altar and worship, let's do that. Um, God bless you. Have a fantastic day. Go eat your nachos, but we're going to be at the altar to minister to those in need this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.